Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. Going to go into football season uh, for fantasy purposes, so I'm going to go over the best values that I've seen uh, come up in the rankings thus far and uh, players you should be on the lookout for uh, this upcoming year, uh, especially as uh, you start heading into your drafts. Also going to talk about uh, briefly a few of the things you should be focused on heading into your fantasy drafts as well, so we'll talk about that. But first, I actually want to uh, do a slight diversion because, you know, I feel this is something that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Uh, just because it was an incredible UFC pay-per-view last night uh, uh, with uh, UFC 244. You had Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic, and it was the best UFC pay-per-view in years. And yet still, with all of that, with a heavyweight title fight, the biggest star in the building by a landslide, it wasn't close, was Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz on a three-year hiatus from fighting was far and away the most talked about guy of the night. And in terms of the electricity in the building, he's the guy who brought it. And if you said to a UFC official six years ago that Nate Diaz would be the driving force of a UFC pay-per-view, they probably would laugh in your face and just just laugh you out of the room. Just laugh you out of the room. Because, you know, it's one of the dirty secrets that people don't want to say, but it happens so often in life that, you know, you get told by other people what you can and can't do. And what you can, what your, what your ceiling or what your potential uh, is, and you know they won't say, uh, they, and they won't be overt and say, no, there's no way that can happen. They'll say, maybe you should limit your expectations so you don't get disappointed. But Nate Diaz was something that you can't explain the connection that he made with fans because you know. I don't care what line of work that you're in. 
you know, I do other things besides just cover fantasy sports. But one of the biggest things that I see in the corporate environment and I see it in sports all the time is the inability of others to evaluate talent and sometimes workers getting discouraged and the realization that maybe not every single person is going to acknowledge the value you can contribute on a day-to-day basis. You know, whatever criteria they may be looking at, whatever metrics uh, they may be looking at, but Nate Diaz is an example of someone who, you know, found his own niche completely outside of the purview of his employer being the UFC. Because the UFC looked at Nate Diaz and had him typecast as a fighter who would be on the mid-card, lower mid-card range. Maybe if he wins enough matches in a row, maybe he'll get a title shot down the road. And Nate Diaz saw himself as a guy where the fight game's hard. Like, you could lose very easily. But he knew he could promote himself and that he felt he had a connection with fans that were about the way he wants to fight, which is a very entertaining style. He uh, He's obviously improved on his wrestling, but he always had holes in his game. But he basically said to himself, I'm not being marketed property, properly. UFC, I'm telling you you're not marketing me properly. You know, what are you going to do about it? And it didn't take until the Conor McGregor fight, which was short notice. Like, the UFC had no intention of ever pairing up with Conor McGregor. But he seized the opportunity, got a huge win, and then a huge payday in the rematch, which I also thought he won. But, you know, a lot of people have uh, differing opinions on how that uh, decision went down. But, you know, at the end of the day, Nate Diaz, after the second Conor McGregor fight, said to himself, I am a main event caliber pay-per-view fighter. And the UFC thought, eh, not really. We don't think you could sell pay-per-views. So, again, my example here is that sometimes, uh, oftentimes, realistically, people feel as though, you know, I'm not being utilized properly in my job function. And... I'm here to say that you're not exactly crazy. Even if, uh, you know, it's the largest organization in the world, people slip through the cracks. Sometimes it's up to you to uh, be able to hold your ground and find that niche somewhere else. Nate Diaz was able to keep people interested in him, stay out out of taking a fight uh, immediately that the USC was offering, and be able to cultivate his personality and still do side projects outside of the UFC to keep himself paid. But the interest garnered in Nate Diaz basically cultivated in fans clamoring for him to come back because, you know, fans kept saying, where's Nate? We want to see Nate fight. And the UFC kept saying, oh, well, we don't really have a plan. It's, you know, and that's the thing, you know, by staying away, Nate Diaz actually made himself into an even bigger figure than he was when he left after the second Conor McGregor fight. Because everyone was always entertaining, you know, 
he and Conor should fight for a third time. And the UFC just did not want to risk Conor McGregor taking that additional loss. But now that Conor has gone through his issues over the past few years, the UFC now finds itself in a spot where they need to find some other stars fast. And guess what? Nate Diaz was ready to answer that bell, and he took full advantage of it and just uh, went over Austin Pet- uh, 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 Anthony Pettis last night. So uh, credit to Nate, uh, but, you know, you have examples of this all the time. You just see it more often in sports where, you know, guys, you know, even in a, some a sport like football, the NFL is a billion-dollar industry with teams spending tens of millions of dollars, and guys go undrafted every single year that put up monster numbers. It happens all the time. You know, as much money as these organizations make, Things uh, things, and people slip through the cracks all the time. Talent evaluation is so subjective. And it also happens in terms of even when you get people in the building, you have them typecast into what roles they should and should not be doing. So whenever someone's faced with a prospect of, you know, I'm not being utilized in the proper fashion, that's not necessarily to say that you're arrogant or e- egotistical. It's just you know, understanding what your situation is and how do you improve upon it? You know, whether, and do not quote this as me saying, go put out your job resume right this instant, because that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is being able to be cognizant of your skill sets and what you can contribute and how you can market and leverage that in the marketplace that's what I'm getting at. You know, even if in your own organization, push, uh, pushing buttons in other directions, that's what you have to do sometimes. And Nate D has an example of it because he managed to get the fans to push the UFC into offering him the pay-per-view caliber fights that he's been clamoring for for almost a decade now. And guess what? He's going to get another headline pay-per-view fight now. And based off of uh, his call out last night, it's probably going to be against Jorge Masvidal, which would be a straight fire matchup. I could not be more excited for that fight. But anyway, uh, let me get into some football here because I I know I I said we were going to talk fantasy football and uh but I really want to get that UFC uh, bit out of the way because, you know, I think it's so important with folks being un- uh, able to understand their value in the marketplace. And uh, that Nate Diaz example was a perfect uh, example of it. So uh, going into uh, fantasy football this year, I was uh, basically kind of taken aback by the amount of people who are still being negative on players saying that they don't have value because of so many questionable situations. Obviously, you've got Antonio Brown being a crazy person. Uh, you got Ezekiel Elliott holding out. You got Melvin Gordon holding out. So you got a number of situations that could spiral uh, uh, further in the negative direction. But let me just kind of lay out uh, for what I perceive to be 
uh, good value uh, in drafts. Uh, I'll, I'll do my fantasy rankings uh, uh, as we get closer uh to uh, the start of the season with uh, probably uh, uh, ahead of Labor Day and just revealing uh, my final rankings uh, uh, for the season. But in terms of value, uh, you know, if we're going through the first couple of rounds, uh, I would say, uh, again, this all depends on your scoring format. If your scoring format is a points per reception, a PPR league, and you're getting that full point for each reception, wide receivers should always uh, get more uh, of a boost in your rankings uh, because of that, and that makes them closer to on par with running backs. Not all the way. So as you get further down the spectrum of lesser running backs, you might have more of a lean towards wide receivers. But there may also be some pass-catching running backs like a Duke Johnson that you can consider as well, even though Duke Johnson is backing up Lamar Miller. You know, things of that nature are going to happen, but I'll, I'll get into that in a little bit more detail. So, uh, without much further ado, let's uh, talk about some of the value plays that I see in the first couple of rounds of uh, fantasy drafts this year. By and large, you should be looking at running backs for the first uh, couple of uh, spots in the first round. But when you hit the back end of the first round, realistically, you need to be looking at wide receiver. And, you know, in terms of the wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins should be the first wide receiver off the board. Uh, You know, that's where we're probably talking about in the seven range. And right behind them, Devontae Adams should be off the board. Now, Devontae Adams might actually slip to the second round depending on certain drafts. Now, I know folks are going to be questioning, you know, Devontae Adams, you know, why can't I go after Julio? But the issue is, is that Devontae Adams has been the touchdown machine with Green Bay. You know, a lot of folks have been in the past uh, been discounting Devontae Adams saying that with Jimmy Graham around, the touchdown opportunities won't be there. Jimmy Graham's been the non-factor for uh, Green Bay. Yeah, maybe Jimmy Graham gets a little bit more fantasy relevancy this year, but Devontae Adams is the number one target for Aaron Rodgers in the red zone, bar none. And when you have a top FLQB throwing it to his top receiver, good things tend to happen. The issue with Julio is the fact that the Falcons offense is still a hodgepodge of broken plays once it comes to the red zone. It grinds to a halt. They don't have set plays to get uh, Julio involved enough. That's why uh, I don't have Julio until my wide receiver threw off the board. I'd rather take uh, DeAndre, whom I expect to be the uh, wide receiver number one, and then right after that, Devontae Adams should be the second wide receiver. In terms of other wide receivers that I would be looking at, I'd be looking at Odell, I'd be looking at Juju. And again, this still, I get the valuation if you're going to put uh, Julio ahead of uh, OBJ and uh, Juju, but Juju is going to be the lead back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Is he uh, not going to have the benefit of Antonio Brown drawing double teams? Absolutely true. But 
Pittsburgh is a creative enough offense that they can find ways of getting you open regardless of double teams, uh, depending on the squad. And, you know, it may not work against a team like New England, so you may have to take that L with Juju. But guess what? By and large, you should be looking hard at Juju to have a big year. In fact, I would probably say, even if you don't uh, manage to draft uh, Juju in the first round, see if he has a bad game against the Patriots uh, week one, and then try to uh, trade for him on the cheap with uh, a fantasy manager that may be panicking that, oh, wait a second, I didn't get my value out of Juju. Uh, He's supposed to be my number one wide receiver, and he didn't deliver the goods in the first week. There are many managers who are prone to panic trades after just one week in fantasy. So, you know, you can always try to take advantage of a situation like that. OBJ, I I get it from uh, the trepidation about him. The fact that Cleveland has so many mouths to feed that, you know, it's going to be difficult to justify uh, Odell getting the ball nearly as much as he did with the Giants. The issue is that, you know, it Odell is very efficient in terms of a receiver. You know, when he gets opportunities to run out in the open field, he'll get his yards after catch. You don't necessarily have to throw him open. Now, the issue with the Giants was the Giants were hardly ever able to sustain meaningful drives, so they couldn't get that offense going. The Browns, I expect to be able to move the ball at will uh, off, uh, more often than not uh, during the course of the season. So uh, Odell is definitely going to have the opportunities uh, to get uh, uh, points uh, per reception as well as uh, touchdown uh, catches uh, this year. So that's where you know I see the true value in that first round. Uh, moving on into the second round, uh, that's when you start looking at uh, guys along the lines of Mike Evans and Dalvin Cook. Mike Evans, uh, you know, has the potential to be the second or third best uh, wide receiver in the league. Uh, just never executed on it. Uh, got another break uh, uh, where, you know, from a cost standpoint, uh, Cook is someone that should be able to get more value uh, because of the fact that uh, the Vikings offense will be running the football more than it did last year. They got uh, more into it the second half of the year once they fired their offensive corner, John Filippo, because he was throwing the ball way too damn much. But, you know, they're going to rebound uh, from a valuation standpoint in the run game because it's going to be more of an emphasis running the football throughout the year. So Dalvin, uh, Dalvin Cook's going to have uh, a positive bounce back in the numbers. He's still going to be slated for going in that second round, but I think he provides a bit uh, better value overall than Joe Mixon might or Devonta Freeman might because I'm not sure the volume of touches will be as much as what uh, – uh, Dalvin Cook figures to see. The only reason why the numbers don't bear it out in uh, the uh, current uh, evaluation for stats is the uh, just uh, tracks to the uh, fact that uh, you know 
the run uh, the uh, running uh, number of running plays was significantly limited in the first half of the year. So if you prorate out what the Vikings did in the second half, yeah, Dalvin Cook out touched uh, uh, Freeman and Mixon over the last uh, five games of the year. So I think uh, Cook is more than appropriate value in the second round, as do these two other receivers that I'll get into. You got Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. Antonio, you know, say what you will about this craziness involving his helmet, the frostbite he essentially gave himself. The man is an absolute nut. But in terms of on-the-field performance, he's the overall number one wide receiver. The reason why he's dropping this far is because, you know, from... it's. Just all indications, the man has lost his mind. The one thing that I will probably end up doing is having a couple of shares of Antonio Brown uh, in the early second round because I don't think he uh, goes in the third round in the ton of leagues. At least I haven't seen unless uh, the league is based in Pittsburgh uh, with a bunch of Steelers fans. I just don't see it happening. So my contention with uh, Antonio Brown is you can get first-round value in the second round, but just be aware that Antonio Brown could find a way of screwing you over by just not playing at all, uh, and and uh, returning uh, s- some of the the uh, uh, protection uh, uh, that he was wearing. But uh, um, you know, I, I just look, I look at Antonio Brown as and say this. You know, sometimes you got to be willing to take a uh, take on some risk in order to get uh, the benefit of uh, having that kind of roster to carry you through uh, a fantasy playoffs. And Antonio Brown can win your league for you. There's no question about that. Mike Evans, also good value, uh, will put up monster games on occasion. Not nearly as many as Antonio Brown has the potential to do, but I still feel that uh, Mike Evans is... A, a work in progress, but definitely someone uh, to keep in mind uh, because, you know, I, uh, I do sense that uh, uh, there will be uh, some opportunity uh, during the course of the year uh, for Evans to put up, you know, a 200 yard passing game. It's just a 200 yard receiving game. He has that game breaking ability and I'm very curious to see if James uh, James Winston in a make or break year from a con- uh, contract standpoint, because you know he's got to get that extension. If he can focus well enough to make sure that uh, Mike Evans looks like a, a million bucks, uh, because that's uh, what the long and short of it is. Um, moving on in terms of good value plays. I'd be looking at Julian Edelman as well, uh, along with uh, the likes of a George Kittle. Edelman, this is a very simple story. He is a PPR monster. If this league is not PPR, don't bother. Uh, You're okay with leaving him alone. The reason why I had him uh, uh, jotted down is the fact that Gronk is gone. So that's one more security blanket gone from uh, Tom Brady. 
Brady is going to be focusing on uh, the passenger uh, uh, for the trip, uh, who's, uh, uh, I mean, Edelman basically is riding solo. If you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective, because in years past, it would have been the Edelman and Gronk show. So with uh, Edelman basically being a solo act now with the Pats offense, I, I, you know, teams have tried for ages to double team Edelman and it hasn't really worked yet. So I still think that Edelman's going to find ways of getting open in that slot and he's going to do damage. And he's going to do a lot of damage in PPR leagues where obviously uh, if it's a full point PPR league, you know, I think it's a no brainer lock that uh, you have uh, Edelman in the lineup. Now on the flip side, you got a George Kittle uh, as a tight end. You know, I'm not a fan of drafting tight ends early, but I get it if you're drafting Kittle uh, just because you're making the rationalization that Jimmy Garoppolo, while trying to stay healthy this year, is going to have to get the ball out quicker. Who's a better receiver to get the ball out quickly uh, than uh, a select type uh, a, a, a select type of uh, quarterback that has an incentive of dropping balls uh, to uh, hot reads? And George Kittle is the hot read of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo's injury just further heightens the need for the 49ers to protect Garoppolo and have Garoppolo do his best Tom Brady impression and get the ball out of his hand and into the hands of his best playmakers, uh, the best one of which, obviously, is uh, uh, is Kittle. Uh, he has game-breaking speed for a tight end. He has strength to power over defenders. Uh, you know, it's, to me, Kittle... Uh, is a good value play because he's going into the third round, uh, but he should be around in the middle of the second round. So uh, it's just a, a matter of uh, working through, uh, at least working through from a standpoint of, I'd say, I'd say the biggest thing with tight end is once you get past Kittle, I would punt the position almost entirely. I'm I'm not a fan of the vast majority of uh, tight ends this year. It's just the way I'm looking at the position, it makes more sense uh, to go after, uh, you know, guys along the lines of Greg Olson uh, that you can get late in drafts. You can also... Look at a uh, Jack Doyle late because uh, he would be the Colts' number one tight end. You know, it it always depends, obviously. But uh, I, I do feel as though, uh, you know, it's something to be cognizant of because more often than not, when you uh, start trying to force feed in tight ends, just because you feel the need to draft a tight end because that spot's empty, you probably missed out on three or four really good players uh, in that uh, in that exchange. So uh, kudos to you, but uh, you know th- there was hopefully a more resolute way of uh, uh, dealing with the matter at hand. So 
moving on. When we're uh, we're going through uh, some of these uh, values, uh, I, you know, I kind of looked at uh, this again, and the one name that I f- still keep seeing coming up, and I don't see how people are going to be sleeping on them this year. But, you know, maybe the average draft numbers are uh, bearing this out, that people really are overlooking him, and that would be Stefan Diggs. Because Stefan Diggs is going into the third round in certain drafts, and there is no reason why Stefan Diggs uh, should not be a second, uh, second round fantasy uh, pick the same way that uh, you, uh, you would see out of Adam Thielen. Uh, Diggs and Kirk Cousins built up a rapport last year, same way uh, he built up the core with uh, Thielen. But towards the second half of the year, it became the Stefan Diggs show more than anything else. Uh, but, uh, you know, Diggs has the more game-breaking speed upside than Thielen. Uh, Thielen's going to put up great numbers, but I think uh, Diggs is literally... The flip side of that same point, he's going to put up uh, an incredible number uh, of stats. And, you know, I, I I just think that it'd be foolish to get off of, of a player like uh, Diggs' caliber. I, I truly believe that, uh, you know, you're going to get uh, more than your uh, money's worth uh, when you uh, uh, when you bring him into the fold. So, uh, moving on, uh, gonna get into some of the later round uh, picks. So we're gonna go into four, uh, four through six in terms of value plays. You can uh, take a serious uh, stab at, folks. The other aspect uh, to look at, and this is where we're getting into rounds four through six. You know, early part of the stage. You know, you're not looking at some. Play, uh, you're looking at the uh, mainstay players, but you know, once you start getting into the middle rounds, that's when you're going to start seeing some separation. A couple of guys you need to be on the lookout for in rounds four through six. Uh, you got Chris Godwin, wide receiver of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he can put up just as much value as Mike Evans. Uh, you know, he's just not. Uh, you know, I wouldn't draft him ahead of Mike Evans or anything. Uh, I think Mike Evans is a definitely good value for second round. I do think Chris Godwin, uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson's gone. Uh, Adam Humphreys is gone. It's going to be Godwin's uh, show for the number uh, two wide receiver. And I think he's going to put on a show. So I definitely think uh, he's a better value play than uh what you would see out of a Tyler Lockett and Alshon Jeffrey, Allen Robinson, uh, Sammy Watkins, Chris Godwin should be ahead of all those guys. So uh, th- to me, that's a no brainer. Kenny Galladay should get good value as well. Marvin Jones will not put up uh fantasy value except for three or four games uh, out of the fantasy season. The rest of the way, Kenny Galladay is going to be the number one guy for the Lions uh, offense. Uh, you know, even with Carryon Johnson getting popularity in terms of fantasy, I, you know, I just don't see 
anyone on the Lions offense carrying as much value as Kenny Galladay. Uh, you know, Matt Stafford's going to throw the ball a ton. He's going to throw interceptions as well. But Kenny Galladay is going to get a number of targets, so he should bring uh, some decent value out of wide receiver spot. Another guy you can look at is uh, Miles Sanders. Uh, he's the technically he's going to be uh, the primary running back of the Philadelphia Eagles. The issue is that you know the Eagles also traded for Jordan Howard, and you know Howard is going to get a number of carries as well. But Sanders should be the pass catching back, and I think when the Eagles are going to try to catch you off balance uh you know when uh you know they're trying to run the football but they're in a, a passing formation it's going to be Sanders who's in, in the game so i do think that Sanders is the first uh eagles running back who should be uh taken off the board in fantasy this year but uh you know other guys to keep in mind uh you know as you get into the back end of drafts and you know you're going into Round seven through nine, Duke Johnson, top of the list in my opinion. Uh, Duke Johnson should be someone that is highly targeted uh, because of the fact that, again, Lamar Miller is not very good. Uh, So I think sooner or later, uh, Duke Johnson has the potential of taking the job away from Lamar Miller and, you know, and doing quite a good job with it. Uh, I think with his pass catching ability, he should be seeing anywhere from 55 to 75 catches uh, in the, uh, in the NFL uh, season and in PPR leagues, that's going to be golden uh, because of the extra value he brings as a wide receiver. Uh, Because, He's also a good rusher. I think he's going to take the rushing job away from Lamar Miller by the middle of the season. So, you know, I'm all aboard the Duke Johnson train. Uh, you know, hopefully no one sees him coming, but I am definitely on board that train. Uh, other guys to take a look at, uh, you've got uh, Curtis Samuel, the wide receiver for uh, the Carolina Panthers. Emmanuel Sanders, the wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. Uh, these are good value plays uh, that I think are going to translate uh, in the back end of drafts uh, that you can get in the wide receiver spot. Uh, that's why I'm always a fan of trying to grab uh, running backs early because I think wide receiver you can get you can still get decent value later on in the draft. It's just harder uh, getting uh, running back value the later you go in drafts. So, you know, it's it's going to depend uh, by uh, your draft situation, obviously. Uh, but I, I think it's a better play overall uh, getting the running backs earlier on in the draft and then filling out your wide receiver core as we go on. But hold off on drafting QBs, uh, you know. I keep saying this, QBs get drafted way too early in leagues. I don't care how much you want to play Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes should not be drafted before the fourth round in any fantasy football draft. And any other QBs should not be taken until after round eight. That's just the way it is. From a value standpoint, 
The skilled position players are f- so much more valuable than fantasy QBs. It's simple as that. But, you know, you can you can ignore the math all you want, but it it's it's uh it's more to your detriment as a fantasy manager uh, when you take a QB too early in the draft and leave uh, some value on the table. So, just a recommendation. But I've seen people ignore. That advice more times than I can count. Now, on the back end, the drafts, uh, other guys you can take a look at. Uh, Tony Pollard of the Cowboys is someone to keep in mind, especially if you have uh, drafted Zeke as your first uh, your first pick in the draft, uh, handcuffing that situation. I think Zeke gets the contract done with the Cowboys regardless, but, you know, it is dragging out even longer than I expected, but Pollard is showing signs that he can handle some of the workload. So I, I do think that he's going to get uh, uh, some rub anyway, at least early on in the season. As they, you know, whenever uh, Zeke's contract situation gets resolved, I don't think they're going to ramp him up immediately. So I do think Tony Pollard's still going to have some value early on in the year regardless. So uh, definitely someone to keep in mind uh, as the season uh, uh, gets uh, gets started to have on your roster early on. Uh, another uh, guy you can uh, take a good look at uh, is going to be, uh, you know, and I, I don't see why this would be any surprise. But, uh, you know, Justin Jackson is a good pick uh, in the later rounds. Melvin Gordon's holding out, but Melvin Gordon is not Ezekiel Elliott. Melvin Gordon is not in the same caliber as Ezekiel Elliott. He wants to get paid like he's Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley, but he's not those guys. Justin Jackson has a very real shot at supplanting Melvin Gordon as the starting running back of the San Diego Chargers before the end of the year. Because one thing about Melvin Gordon is that he is almost always a lock to get injured before your fantasy playoffs start. I'm just saying it now. Justin Jackson should be on fantasy rosters in 100% of leagues, and he won't even be rostered at about 30%, and that's criminal. Justin Jackson should be rostered unless it's a very... Uh, shallow league and it's only eight eight to ten teams but if it's a 12 team league justin jackson should be on a roster no if ands or buts about it don't don't mess around don't get cute justin jackson needs to be rostered bottom line that that's all i'm gonna say about that so uh without much further ado the last two guys i'm gonna bring up is gonna uh gonna be greg golson and jack doyle again when you punt the tight end position, as I'm advocating, if you're go- if you're getting past uh, the likes of uh, Kittle, you're not doing. Uh, you know, I'm not used saying draft Kelsey at all in the first round. Uh, you know, draft Kelsey in the second round. Don't draft Kelsey in the first round. But past round three, uh, and Kittle, punt the position entirely. You can get Greg Olson. You can get uh, you can get Jack Doyle. You get them later on in the draft, uh, past round 12, and they're going to bring a lot of value. Don't mess around with uh, a good thing. 
And, you know, I think there's enough value in the draft that you can get tight ends that are going to be legit value. Um, uh, If you and I'll probably talk about some sleepers in the next uh, podcast because I'll talk about the bus, but I also talk about the sleepers as well. So uh, that will be uh, coming up. But uh, that's going to do it for uh, today's show. But uh, hopefully you guys got some value out of it. And uh, until next time, folks, uh, take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.